Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Thursday morning. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts. Some stories to go over, uh, some preview of some fight cards that are taking place this weekend, both in Bellator and UFC. Bellator's in Paris for Bellator 296, Musasi versus Edwards. That's Leon Edwards' brother, by the way. And then the UFC's got a show on ABC. Huge audience for them. Jelton Almeida and Jarzino Rosenstruck at the top of that bill. So we'll go over the start times, the card, maybe throw in some predictions. Um, the latest news, of course, uh, there was a press conference earlier this week that I definitely want to talk about with Nate Diaz and Jake Paul. And we might have a surprise guest for you as well. So buckle up. We'll be right back to start the show. All right, guys, I got to be mindful. Some people do not like Jake Paul. Some people do not like that low-level celebrity boxing world that we definitely tend to cover. So guess what? We're getting right into it. No, I'm just kidding. Let's let's hold that off for just a second. Let's go over a couple things still from UFC 288 from this past weekend and uh, one fight night 10 uh, from this past weekend. So both Demetrius Johnson and Henry Cejudo have still not committed towards any sort of a retirement. Henry Cejudo, in fact, uh, already wants Marab to Valis really. That kind of makes me happy, goes, that because he's, he's fighting at a high level, and I get it. He's disappointed. He's not champ. He doesn't get to dictate his terms and figure out who's next, get some pay-per-view money, aim towards Volkanovski. But, hey, you, you can compete still. Uh, look at Mazadal coming clean and honest and saying, I just don't see the shots coming like I used to. I'm out. I got to bow out. But Henry uh, still has some game left in him, you know. So that, that was refreshing to hear that he's still in. And Demetrius is still in. Demetrius is kind of not wanting to make an emotional decision. He said on Friday he wanted to talk to his wife. The latest is he just wants to talk to some of the uh, some of his contemporaries from his era, like GSP and Habib, and maybe get their thoughts. So that that's kind of good news that the that those two big names are still in the game. Um, Henry Cejudo. Well, I didn't really think he was going to call it quits. I I think. Uh... I think he's the type of guy that if he was, he would have done it that night. I, he just seems to think things out way ahead. So um, I'm glad he's coming back. I'm glad he's already throwing a name. Yeah, I'm glad he's back in the mech, in the mix. DJ, he's just a, a different, different type of guy. But here's the thing is I think he would have wanted that moment too, you know, to be able to say he's going to walk away and do that in the cage so i expect both guys to come back dj i just don't know for how long right because he's just one of those guys like if gsp's the guy he's hitting up i imagine gsp's gonna tell him 
just be done, you know? Um, if he's hitting up other guys, that's going to be a different story. But for, like, GSP, the, the good thing about him was he walked away the moment that he started to take some damage, right? That Johnny Johnny Knoxville, I was going to say. Johnny Hendricks fight, that kind of opened his eyes up a little bit. That, and, you know, he's always talked about steroids and all that. Um, Demetrius Johnson doesn't really have those type of fights where, where you could say, oh, my God, is he going to be okay? But what he does do is train his ass off. And you have to remember, we're going on like now, if you cut his career in half, the majority of his careers has probably been done at five rounds, you know? Yeah. And that, that's, that, that's terrible. That, that's a lot of wear and tear on your body. So I can understand if, if now's the time he wants to walk away, but I don't think he will. And I don't think he should. I don't think he should either. And I think he should try and go after the featherweight champ at one championship and try and get a second belt in a, in a second weight class. Now, don't get confused, people. I'm not asking him to jump two weight classes. We cover him as a man of weight in one, but it's the same as covering a flyweight at UFC. They use the hydration system. So he has to weigh in at 135 and kind of maintain a weight, a hydration weight that, uh, that, that that 25 would do, with the exception of that cutting the water and getting down to 25 and basically rehydrating. But I, I would say the flyweights in the UFC and Demetrius Johnson probably fight at the same weight on fight night. Uh, it's just that one doesn't make them dip and do the water loss. Um, so he would basically be challenging himself to the weight division if he was in the UFC, but in this case, it's the featherweight division in one championship. Uh, Dion Drage is his name. He just defeated John Lineker, a former flyweight and bantamweight in the UFC. So I think he should go after that and see if he can match GSP and John Jones uh, with having a title in another weight class. He, he tried it once against Dominic Cruz in the WEC, and he lost. Um, but, you know, he's a... He's gotten better since then, and I think he'd have a shot. So I think that would be a challenge and uh, a payday. And maybe even after that, the, the lightweight champ, which would be the featherweight champ in the UFC, if he wants to really go for something that's never been done, um, which is what Henry Cejudo wanted to do. He wanted to go after Wokonowski to become C4. But he uh, he hasn't been able to make it to that dance just yet. Now, here's one thing about Henry Cejudo goes, and this goes for the GSPs of the world and anyone that's ever taken extended time off. So we've seen a couple cases where it's worked. John Jones against Cyril Gane. He took three years off. He came back. He won a title. And then uh, George St. Pierre, he took three and a half years off, came back, and won a title in another weight class, the one above, right? So it worked for them. Then GSP dipped out. He just did a one and done. He didn't even bother defending it. But... It's in the history books. John Jones sounds like he's going to stick around and try and defend at least one time. And that would be uh, a, a great thing because then he would join Amanda Nunes, Daniel Cormier, and Henry Cejudo, and I believe maybe even Randy Couture. I can't remember if Randy defended light heavyweight. I'll have to go back and look. As champions who not only did it but also defended. For example, Conor McGregor. I hate to pick on the guy. I love the guy. Um, but he won both the featherweight and lightweight titles, but never defended it. And GSP never defended the middleweight. BJ Penn never defended the welterweight. So there's a few guys that have won the multiple weight class, but didn't defend them both. 
So that's what John Jones is trying to do. And I think Demetrius trying to join those guys, that would be pretty epic. If he's got it in him, defend that one once. If not, move up and try and win that third. Patrice Will Frady, he didn't defend the lightweight, if I'm not mistaken, but now he's going for the bantamweight. So that's pretty historic as well over at Bellator. That's where I think he can challenge himself amongst the gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, separate yourself because you're right. Um, if you're not going to have that multi-division championship, then you have to do something pretty special within your division, and that's just rack up win after win, title defense after title defense. But just getting that one really does help him uh, jump the queue a little bit. I think he digs it. I think he digs being one of the greatest of all time, the Mount Rushmore. And I think he's there now. It's just whether or not – remember, like, you know, every few years we're going to get these special fighters. They're going to come in and they're going to challenge for those spots. Somebody's got to drop, right? Not not everyone. Uh, I, I like like if we do this for basketball. I don't think any of us are gonna go. Oh man, is Michael Jordan gonna be safe? Like I feel like no matter what happens, that dude's gonna be at the top, right? It's the other guys that start to trickle off. You know, as we've gotten older, Magic and Bird are starting to fall off a little bit, right? Um, mm-hmm. That's what could potentially happen to Demetrius Johnson. So if you're Demetrius Johnson and you're digging this type of talk, which I have to imagine he does. Something like that kind of ensures that you stick around longer. Yeah, and you know what's funny about the world is that it has its ways of benefiting you and also uh, not benefiting you. I couldn't think of a fancy word that would stand for not benefiting you. And I'll give you an example. Kamaru Usman won 15 straight fights in the UFC before he lost. Anderson Silva won 16 fights in the UFC without losing. Why is it that Anderson Silva wound up with 10 title offenses? Could have been 11 if Travis Luter makes weight, but it was 10. And Kamaru Usman only had five. Mm -hmm. Well, A, Kamaru Usman came along years later and benefited from bigger paydays than Anderson Silva did. So he gets that, benefited. But where it didn't benefit him was he didn't wasn't able to establish his name because now the roster was deeper, there were more stars. He had to fight more fights before the title, and then he started racking up title defenses. Um, so, yeah, again, those pay-per-view numbers probably – maybe even the mount. I don't know who made more money in their career. I really don't. But remember, one guy only had five title defenses. The other guy had ten. It's because Anderson Silva came in and beat Chris Lieben, had such an impression from the career he had in Pride and, you know, other other places that he went and fought, like Cage Rage, uh, Rumble on the Rock. They gave him the, the title shot against, if I'm not mistaken, I think Rich Franklin was up next, and then he beat him. Whereas Kamar Usman had to go through a lot to get there, right? Mm-hmm. What am I getting at? The other day, dude, I read an article on Colby Covington. How he says Bilal Muhammad fought for nothing at UFC 288, needs another win before getting a title shot. And in the article, a shout out to our writers and our editors. They're very detailed in what they write about every fighter. Usually they'll include an age or the record is here what I'm pointing out. Listen to this. Follow along closely, and I'm going to say it real slow. So that you can keep, you can keep up. Muhammad, twenty three and three in MMA, 
14 and 3 in the UFC, defeated Gilbert Burns 22 and 6 in MMA, 15 and 6 in the UFC. So that alone stands out to me because Gilbert's already had a title shot. Mm-hmm. Muhammad hasn't, and Muhammad's got the better record. Now remember Muhammad. Forget about Gilbert's. Muhammad's again is 23 and 3, 14 and 3 in the UFC. The article goes on to talk about what's happening and what happened to Newark, USC 288, blah, blah, blah. But Covington, 17 and 3 in MMA, 12 and 3 in the UFC, was promised his title shot first. So we got 23 and 3 and 14 and 3 in the UFC, and the other guy's 17 and 3, 12 and 3 in the UFC. The guy that's 17 and 3 overall, Muhammad's got a better record than him. And 12 and 3 in the UFC, Muhammad's also got a better record than him. He's fought for the world title twice, and he's going to fight a third time before Muhammad even gets a sniff at the title shot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, seriously, like, when you want to know who's gotten shafted pretty good, it's Bilal Muhammad. And get this. Oh, yeah. The champion is 21-3. and three. Muhammad's 23-3, and three, if you recall. The champion is 13-2 and two in the UFC. Muhammad's 14-3 and three in the UFC. So uh, Edwards has a slightly better record than Muhammad. Um but he's champ, you know, so he, he, he doesn't have as good of an overall record, but he's got a slightly better UFC record. And he's already benefited one time from making the big money in pay-per-views. So it, it is it nuts how, you know, some guys really just like Tony Ferguson, man, all those wins he had 11 or something like that. Couldn't get a title shot. Rafael Asuncao won eight. Vanil Darius, is, I think, is on eight as well. And he can't get a title shot. And then others having to be there at the right place, right time, and boom, they're making bank. But who's the blame there? That's the question. Because well, UFC is going to put their UFC is going to put their foot he's down. A little dry, maybe I get it. Yeah, you might, you're probably right there. Um, the UFC is going to put their foot down if they don't like you. But is it your manager that needs to jump in there and really petition? Is it? Is it the fighter that just needs to, if you're not that guy, be that guy? I don't know, man. Is it is it fight placement? Is it fight cards? I really don't know what to say, but it just seems like, um, you know, even if you go back two fights, I think a lot of people are saying guys like Benil, guys like Bilal, they're good fighters and they deserve something. Um, but I, I just don't know. Like, I feel like once the UFC puts their foot down on something, they just kind of write it out. Now, recently, something happened with Colby, and I thought I saw something on Twitter, I believe, him saying he does not want to fight Edwards in Abu Dhabi. Instead, he wants to fight in August or September, which, by the way, he might have a shot at because the UFC is starting to um, unveil more cards. And so what we know is that UFC 291 is in august and i believe it's the 19th and it's going to take place in boston massachusetts however hold on a second oh no 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 that that's a that's a fight night sorry that's a fight night so we only know about ufc 290 volkanovsky versus rodriguez on july 8th but dana white did say that they want to go in august to um to boston and they were looking at maybe Aljo versus O'Malley. I suppose that could be Edwards versus Covington. Edwards said he couldn't go in July in London, and so they made that show a fight night 
instead of a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But why would Edwards go in August, just weeks later, when he could have went in late July and been in London? Something tells me if he's not ready for that one, he ain't going to be ready for the August one. And that's you why he's imagine. going towards October for Abu Dhabi. Now, September's still lingering. I suppose maybe something could happen in September. I don't know. That's what Colby wants. But if Colby puts his foot down and says, I ain't fighting Abu Dhabi, I wonder if the UFC goes, oh, well, then we'll go with Bilal Muhammad versus Leon Edwards in in October. You know what I mean? I think that's always the card, right? Like when you have two guys like that, they promised uh, Colby's the guy, but Bilal has done enough for that. Yes, it's Colby Covington's shot unless he makes any type of uh, errors like that, you know, where he starts puffing his chest, or I want this, I want that. Then I think they easily say, all right, we'll just give it to Bilal then. You know, I, I, that's always that risk that you run. But see, Colby strike, it doesn't strike me as a guy like, he does dumb things, but he's not a dumb guy. I, I think uh, he wouldn't mess with that paycheck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be just him early posturing, who knows what, but Again, if he really feels like he doesn't want to do that, then he has to remember there's a guy more than ready and willing to do it. Mm-hmm. I brought up Henry Cejudo's name a second ago, and I think I split my time between wanting to talk about him and also Demetrius Johnson. So I did want to talk about Henry Cejudo. Cejudo came back after three years. And he said at the post-fight press conference at UFC 288 something similar to what he said after he beat, uh, who was it, Cruz, right? He beat Dominic Cruz and then retired. Let me make sure I got that right. It was not not Marius, but Cruz. Yeah, it was after Cruz, he retired. And so he says, you got to remember, man, I've been training since I was five. Then I went to the Olympics and all that. I like the way Henry talks, actually. And so he says he was exhausted and all that. And I wanted to ask you guys, do you think Henry Cejudo, who right now is 36, that means he was 33 when he retired, do you think he done messed up? And the reason I ask is because he came back, it didn't pay off like it did for Jones and and GSP. It didn't pay off. He lost a split decision. But after three years, did he really come back that relaxed to make up for being three years older? You see what I'm saying? If he had just said, man, I'm tired. I've been wrestling since five. But guess what? I'll never be 33 again. Who's next? And I get my pay-per-view points because I'm champ. I'll fight the next guy. Maybe not in three months. Give me six months. Give me nine months. But I want to stick around. I want to fight somebody. And let's do this. Would that have been a smarter decision than waiting three years and coming up short? Now, granted, he doesn't know that at the time, right? He probably thinks, I'm a world champion. I can beat anyone. I can take time off. But I'm just saying the younger fighters should always learn from some of the older fighters, you know, because, like I say, it did pay off for Jones and GSC. But remember, all this time, GSC was a little bit older than Jones was. And Jones just relinquished the title like, I didn't see this mental exhaustion from him. He just said, I want to try my hand at every weight. I got to bulk up, and it took him three years to do that. Come on. Um, you know, so, uh, but but it paid off. It paid off. I can't take that away from him. But what, did he, what didn't he do? He didn't earn money. Those pay-per-view points would have been nice. And now, all of a sudden, Jones is saying, just a couple more, and I'm out. Who knows, man? But what do you think? Do you think Cejudo should have just sucked it up then 
and maybe done a few more and then just gotten out of the game completely? Or do you think this whole thing that fighters do where they take a lot of time off and then come back, that's the way? It's so hard to answer because um, if it was the wrong choice, I don't think it was the wrong choice by much because I'm thinking about the things that he accomplished in that time. That's have a baby, right? Time with your baby, you never get back. Um, so that's one thing he established his YouTube channel, just kind of being out almost like a little foundation for what he could maybe do when fighting's over coaching, uh, even a little analyst work. I don't know. Cause I don't know exactly what they gave him that made him happy to fight again. It's probably not what he asked for when he left, but it might be somewhere in the middle. Um, you're right he did lose time where he could have been making bigger paychecks it's not like he wasn't making paychecks he could have been making bigger ones i really don't know i i don't i don't know well those are good points family time you can't put a price on that and then establishing you know maybe his future which i think will include some analyst work he does a great job with the youtube channel so i'm glad at least you had that to say um I wasn't even thinking about that. I guess I was just thinking more of the athletic side. And me, as someone who's never had kids, I've only dated girls who've had kids, you know, so I, uh, and, and lived with them. So, well, actually, I lived with one, so I, I kind of, you know, have some familiarity with it. But um, I still think that you can be a professional athlete and have kids. Now, why do I say that? Well, <laughs> I follow up other sports where a lot of these athletes are gone just as much like when they're in baseball and they go on a two-week road trip or basketball and they go on a four-game road trip which you know basketball is not every day but yet they have kids at home so mma is a little different because you really can spend a lot of time with with your kid um you have a you have longer off seasons i guess you can say so i um no, I don't know, man. I, I I don't know how to answer that without sounding insensitive because, again, I, I'm not a father. But, again, I have some experience from watching other athletes. They've been able to pull it off. And when you're, when you're it and you have those abilities, I think you do it until the wheels come off. I don't know that you just give away these years. Nate Diaz gave away years. Nick Diaz gave away years. These guys used to fight at 18, 19, 20. Or like 2,000 and 2,000, or 10,000 to show, or maybe 50,000. And now when it's a chance to make at least seven figures of fight, no, I'm just going to take my peak years off. I'm exhausted, leveraged, this, that, whatever. I don't know about it, man. I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. When you make money, you want to spend money. That's kind of like the Diaz uh, motto, right? They don't really, they just go fight to fight with that. Uh Ah, it's a tough one. Because John Jones, when he went away, it, to me, it felt like he did absolutely nothing, right? He was just hanging out at home, bulking up or whatever. Henry did more. Like, he was still in, in the public eye, still kind of establishing something post-MMA. So there are benefits to that. But um, so it's a little different, John Jones and what Henry Cejudo did. I, I just feel like if he did miss out, it wasn't by much. Mm-hmm. Got it. All right. It was just me wondering, and I'm glad we got a chance to discuss it here on the show. Okay, now's about a good time 
to get with our guest. We'll be right back. We're going to have a fun chat here. I know you guys are going to like it. All right, Junkie Nation, gorgeous George and Goes, always delivering the biggest names in combat sports. Today we get to talk to MMA fighter, but more recently, bare knuckle fighting standout, Mike Platinum Perry, who's coming off a huge win this uh, a couple weekends ago at the latest bare knuckle fighting card. He's doing well over there. He's 3-0. I think he's up for a title shot pretty soon. He arguably might be the biggest name over there at bare knuckle fighting championship. Welcome back to Junkie Radio Platinum, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Um, I'm, uh, I'm actually a free agent. Um, I mean, big respect to Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships and um, everything they've done for me and give me these opportunities and showcase my boxing skills in these fights. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm a free agent, but I'm we're still waiting to hear, you know, what's really happening, what's going on. There's some lucrative deals on the table, and, uh, you know, I'm excited about the future. If everything is even, Steven, or close to, is Bare Knuckle your first option to come back? I Yeah, I love Bare Knuckle. I love the boxing. I love, um, you know, the shoes and the... Um, the way I've been treated over there and, um, you know, the relationship that I've grown with uh, David Feldman and the other BKFC crew. Uh, I mean, I definitely enjoy it, but, you know, people are talking about titles and, you know, the reason that that's not, that's not been on the table for me because I mean, the platinum over gold thing kind of really works um, because the champion that I might have fought and, you know, I was up at 185 after that. So then that's a different champion. Their champion at 175, I beat him twice in combat sports. And, um, you know, they're not offering me that fight because he's not a draw. Mm-hmm. If if David Feldman comes to you and says, "What uh, what are you looking for?" Obviously, you want a bag. You want to make the money, right? And who who do you want to fight, and for what kind of stakes? Um, yeah, I guess I make the stakes. You know, uh, it's it's all on the table for me. Um, you know that bag can get really deep. There can be a lot of intricate little things uh involved in contracts that really make that bag special and um you know <clears throat> i mean there's there's lots of fights out there of maybe possibly connecting me and mvp again um there's other fights i saw them talking about Tiago Alves and Anthony Pettis fighting for a title in BKFC. I saw that on some news outlet, and I'm like, you know, Pettis comes in and he gets a title shot. That Pettis deserves that opportunity. Tiago was in. He left. He came in with a title shot. I didn't. Um, and then 
you know, he goes right back to it. It's like, you know, what what's going on here? I'm just fighting these super fights. They should be putting some type of belt. I made my own belt, though, and it really works out in my favor. And, um, you know, there's there's some big fights out there that I could have at, at 185. I don't think people want to smoke with me at Bare Knuckle. They see how much it suits me and, um, you know, my attributes of chin and fists. You definitely are a freight train out there, my man. You come strong, bringing the heat, that's for sure. Now, yes, fans yeah. are going to be curious. You said your phone's blowing up. Is it blowing up more on the MMA side, boxing, bare knuckle? Uh, what, what what seems to be like, who seems to get your attention nowadays the, the most, I guess? I'll tell you what, man. And I don't, I don't say it as problems. You know, it's more money, more response to trilogies, more, you know, things to do, more responsibility, response to trilogies from a comedy show. Um, I thought it was funny a long time ago. Anyways, but. You know, I've been running around like crazy since the fight, doing stuff. I haven't really gotten to work out. I've done push-ups. I've done some knuckle push-ups a couple of times. I haven't really gotten to settle down since the fight. I've been running around, paying people. Um, I still got a couple people to pay. Um, you know, that check came through like today or yesterday. And then That's so funny. now, you know, I'm just paying out all the money that I got. And it's like, damn, well, I'll be ready for another fight here shortly. Um, I don't know. You know, I'm looking to box. Uh, I want to get in the boxing ring. Um, you know, see, because people don't want to come over and do the bare knuckle thing. So I'd, I'd be down to put the pillows on my hands and box. Um, you know what? Like I said, you know what? What are really the fights? Because I'm the fight. I know that I'm the fight. I know that I'll show up and I'll put on an entertaining show, an event, and I will fight anyone like I really mean it, you know, and I'll go for the win. So there are fights to be made. Um, they talking about somebody tagged me in one. It was obviously Nate Diaz and Jake Paul are fighting. That's interesting. Tommy Fury, um, that's a great boxing match I would love to get. Um uh, Logan Paul was was an offer that's out there, um, and I'm not just letting these offers loom. Like I'm, I'd say I say yes to all of them. I'd fight them all. Um, you know, McGregor. I'm really grateful for the attention that he brought to the show when he was there and and in the ring. And um, I mean, Cowboy Cerrone is. I didn't think Cowboy Cerrone wanted to fight at all. I thought, you know, there there's Chael Sonnen's out there saying this and that, and, you know, Chael's all over the damn place. You can't keep up with the damn thing he says because he just turns the conversation to six different subjects, and then he might come back to the original subject, and he might not. He might just, you don't even know what's going on when Chael Sonnen starts talking. And then, so, like, Cowboy Cerrone, I saw him that night. I went back, and I I said hello to him, and when I saw him, man, he had all this, like, gray hair on the side, and he had his hat on, and he's, like, he he looked upset, like, sad, like he was going to cry, you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, wow, like, 
what's up, man? All respect, bro. You know, you know, I'm not, I ain't worried about getting that fight. You know what I mean? But like, if he actually does want it, and I just feel like he's so sneaky, cause in my face he was like sad and emotional looking. He looked old and he looked like shit. That's what he looked like. And then turns out he's like you know, trying to keep a little chip on his shoulder and he's talking with the schmo and he's like, ah, yeah, he did all right. But he's already talking about quitting. Oh, if his teeth chipped, he would have quit too. Like, he's a quitter like that. And and I'm talking cash shit on Cowboy because, you know, he tricked me with that little sad face that he had. I thought he was like, oh, there's no way. And he's like, oh, I'll see you on the big screen. And I'm looking at him like, oh, I thought you liked, you know, adrenaline filled events like this like something you know like this uh, whatever man so i mean that's a good fight right there i kind of just sold it a little bit cowboy Cerrone can run it back with your boy or anybody you know luke rockhold and uh he don't i don't think he he wants to do bare knuckle i don't know where i'm going i don't know what's about to happen see well, you know, we've all spent some time talking about where what we think you should do. And it's because we all feel like you might be the new face of BKFC. So two-part question here. I want to know, do you feel that way? Do you feel like you could be the face of BKFC right now? And also, you, know, you mentioned a guy like Cowboy Cerrone. If it were up to you, who would you bring over to BKFC to be your next opponent? Well, I want somebody who's interested um, in proving something to themselves in actually, you know, in they're interested in the boxing. Um, they're interested to figure out the bare knuckle thing. Darren Till is another fight that is sensible. Uh, and I like it. I mean, I like a lot of fights. I like myself fighting anyone. So, you know, Darren Till, Cowboy, the Conor McGregor, it's all respect to Conor. I mean, he brought so much attention and, and it, having him there, I got to mention someone that meant a lot to me, and and it brought, um, you know, it brought people to hear the name of a friend, you know. So, you know, I'm grateful to that. But uh, and I know he's a businessman, and and he has a family, and I have a family, and we feed our families by fighting people. So, like, you know, that's a perfect fight. He's a great. Southpaw, he's got his power left hand. He's fat, he's definitely faster than Luke, that's for sure. Um, you know, so everybody wants the Conor McGregor fight. Who doesn't want that fight? Uh, I mean, except the people who don't think they can win it, and then, um, you know, if it's if it's bare knuckle, if it's with the gloves on, if it's would it. Would it shock people? Would would people really be interested in seeing me go to MMA? Because uh, I'm I'm so successful as a boxer right now, as a bare knuckle boxer. Would they be like, oh wow, all the success he had in boxing, he's, uh, you know, he might go to MMA, and you know, tr I'm I would bring the same successful mindset that I've had as far as for boxing to take it to MMA training. Um, you know, and just prepare how I'm supposed to. In my way, I would put the pre preparations together. You know, Mike, you, you brought up Luke Rockhold there for a second. I wanted to ask you, 
how do you feel he ranked amongst some of the the guys that you've fought before? And do you feel like your paths may cross again at some point? Um, Luke, you know, just because of how good I did, didn't allow him to look like he shined. But he, you know, my footwork tripped him up. Obviously, he fell down before I ever got a a a, a really great hit in, and then. I believe that was footwork and cutting off the ring and, and, and putting pressure on him. And um, he wasn't in his normal mindset, in my opinion. He wasn't as comfortable with the boxing um, as far as if he was doing MMA with the kicks. I don't know. I honestly feel like the pressure and power I had that night in the weight classes that we met at, I mean, I looked – extremely strong and powerful in there and i felt like um you know i could have beat him in any form of fighting that night and um you know it didn't matter and i mean he hit me with a good shot but it's like once once i took that i saw him after that i had the range i had the distance i had the timing and i took his best shot his left hand power hand i took it and then i started dodging it and i got inside and i punched him up you know he when he grabbed me he didn't feel like he grabbed me that hard i think mvp grabbed me a lot harder held on a lot tighter um i know jujitsu is kind of a relaxed thing and i would definitely try to not have him take me to the ground uh if we were fighting in any other form of fighting you know I can't say if I know that I see him again in a ring. He said, you know, he definitely doesn't want to do a bare knuckle. He wants to put some gloves on. So, you know, I'll fight anyone, though. This next stage here in your career, do you want it to be more of a stage, you know, leading up to possibly something else in the future? Or do you want this next stage to be kind of where you settle down and possibly even write out the rest of your career? I have, um, depending on the deals that get signed, um, you know, I don't know about it being the rest of my career, but I know that in the next 10 years, if I really put in the work and um, I continue on this path, I can really change my family's life, lives, and, and my life and and um, really become a powerhouse in combat sports um, in more than one way, like promotional ways, platinum promotions, and, um, you know, it's Platinum Perry, the entity of, you know, a Mike, Mike what Mike Perry means to fighting. And um, obviously my success has to continue but I'm in the mindset to do that. I'm excited about what's coming and what I'm headed towards. And um, I want all the challenges and I want to face them head on like I've been doing and dominate. Mike, so George and I, we've been covering the sport for a long time and we've seen different phases of the sport. And part of the reason we feel a connection with it is we feel like we've helped build from the beginning to where we're at today. When you look at BKFC, you're not just a fighter there. You're actually helping create something. And I think that's 
a different feeling. Do you do you feel that with you within you? And do you have kind of an emotional attachment to that? Because people are looking at you up on their TVs and they're and years from now are gonna say, This is a dude that kind of helped build the sport. Do you feel that emotional attachment to bare knuckle? It's tough. Um, you know, it's tough to hear, you know, the, there are certain things some people are saying um, about like, you know, I'm this and I'm not that, or I'm that and I'm not this. And um, I just feel as if I've always had the same mindset where you can't count me out and I don't want just a rule set to be the only reason uh, that I am succeeding. And, um, you know, I, I like to challenge myself. And I think I can beat anyone, on any man on any given night. Um, if I prepare right and uh, I train hard, I think I'm a very dangerous opponent for anyone in any sport. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful for the recognition that I have received from fans and from media and from corporations as to what it is I have done and accomplished with Bare Knuckle um, as far as, you know, people see me as an entity in Bare Knuckle fighting that, you know, people don't want that smoke. Uh, they... That's where that's where the other problems come in, where people are like, "Well, what about this rule set? What about this rule set? You think you could beat me here? You think you could beat me there? I mean, look, I'm not really, I don't really care what any other competition has to say. It's all about the numbers. It's all about the numbers. I'm gonna feed my family well. We're gonna do good, and I'm gonna set myself up to chill back." and enjoy the life that I've worked so hard to build. Mike, take us behind the scenes a little. Reveal what you can and what you're comfortable with. But are you and BKFC even close right now? Um, Listen, I, that's like saying was me and the UFC ever close. I never talked to, you know, I don't, I'm not one of these fighters that, calls up the boss man and asks him this and asks him that. That's not my place. I'm the slave. I'm the athlete. I'm the fighter. Y'all own me and you pay me to do a job and I do my job. That's promotion. That's fighting. That's, you know, competing and um, entertaining. And, you know, I have a team that is close with all these billionaires and these boss men that, you know, their life is different than mine. Their life is set up. I know that they take risks as far as the business goes. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I grew a relationship with, it's not like I didn't have a relationship with people in the UFC as well, but there was some that I liked, some that I didn't, you know, I didn't really, you know, it's, I don't know if they liked me. And, and if you, if I don't know if you like me or not, then I'm like, what's your problem? So, you know, definitely BKFC. I didn't have any issues with anyone. And, and I got lots of, uh, 
you know, there might have been a couple people I kind of looked at like they got a stank <laughs> look on their face. And so, yeah. but the the bosses, you know, listen, this is business and there's no, that I don't think there's loyalty in business. Yeah. And whatever the numbers say is what matters. And that's got to be respected. You have to respect numbers. You have to respect what I've grown and what I've tried to do and build throughout all these years of my career. I've been a professional fighter for almost 10 years. And um, I'm finally breaking ground as to all the work I've been putting in for those 10 years. Like when you become a fighter, you're like, okay, I'm going to get rich quick overnight. I'm going to knock a couple people. I knocked out nine people in a row. I was nine and oh with nine knockouts. I wasn't getting shit. Okay. Then I had a bunch of tough fights and I proved how tough I am. No matter the competition, no matter the opposition, I, I can face anyone. So all my years of hard work, it comes down to the numbers. Right. What means the most for me, for my team, and for, you know, it, anyone, the right numbers can be a part of the team. This team could be a part of your team. My team, our teams come together. Mm-hmm. Whoever that is, whoever that might be, whether it be bare knuckle, and, and don't get me wrong, there's different numbers there too, where it's like the rounds, the no gloves, the shoes, the rule set. Those are great numbers too. Ultimately, I'm not my own. I'm I'm an owned piece of property by certain smart, rich individuals. Yeah. And they lead the way on the front lines technically they're you know i'm the i'm the muscle and i work hard for it they make the right decisions and they help me make those decisions mike so just to clarify i probably made a mistake and didn't ask the question right what i meant more was let's say in your mind you think i'm a seven figure fighter eight figure fighter whatever the number is right just just to throw out a million out there I don't know if it's right or wrong or what. Well, let's just say that in your mind you feel like this is I, I don't fight for less than this. Have they come to you yet with an offer? And if so, are the numbers close is what I meant. <laughs> um I don't really I don't really know how see because when it comes to the offers, you have to get down to the nitty gritty, down to the details. Mm-hmm. And the details in the contract, uh, the you know, I'm not sure if certain things are matched, can be matched or, you know, um, there's some, like I said, I like that word lucrative. That's, mm-hmm. There's some lucrative deals on the table and BKFCs is definitely one of them. Um, cool. That's what we want. to I just to hear. don't know. I don't know all the stipulations of it. And that's an issue. Um, 
because there are others that I do. I do know the stipulations and it's unbelievable. I love it when fighters have options because I believe in free agency. I've seen it when I've covered and watched other sports as a fan. It's the best time in the world for an athlete. So I'm happy you're in this spot. I'm happy you have options. But at the same time, I'd be lying to you if I told you I probably didn't want you back in BKFC. You have become a star there, man. And it looks like it's right down your alley. It's not like you can't wrestle or, or strangle someone. I've seen you do it. But over here, it just looks like, man, you're you're at home. Like, this is your spot, you know. But at the same time, I know the bag talks and everything else you're looking for talks. And I hope you get it. I do want to ask you one last thing. When do you think we'll know when your next, when and where your next home will be? You think this takes weeks, months, or we'll talk in the winter? What, what do you think? I think it takes weeks. Um, another couple weeks, and I believe we should know where I'm going and what I'm doing, and um. They should get me locked down. And then, you know, sometime this year, I'm looking for a boxing match. Very well. So if All there's right. any opponents out there, maybe Charlo. Charlo needs to box somebody, 175, 180. I can do that. Um, hell, Bivol. Let me, go, let me go fight. It's Bivol. Yeah, let me fight Bivol at 180. Uh, you prefer uh, a boxer or someone from MMA in boxing or an influencer like KSI or the Paul Brothers? What I, it sounds like you do want to KSI, box. KSI, I could fight. KSI, okay. I could fight. Um, I could fight. Uh, I mean, a big name in boxing would be super fire. The Tommy Fury fight that's big fight. That I think mm -hmm. that's very ideal considering. Uh, the success I've had in bare knuckle boxing, I am a professional boxer as well. And, um, you know, he's only 8-0 as a boxer. And, you know, they don't fight huge fights like that until they're like 20-0 and things like that. So I think that's a big, you know, chance. And, I mean, I'm calling for, for some tough fights here. Benavidez, that's my guy, man. His sister made my shoes for my last fight. You know, I fight Benavidez out of love for our families. You know, we feed our families off of this shit, and I like a challenge. And I know I love. I know I can box. I can box. I can box so good. I got you can punch me, and it don't matter. I headbutt your hands, and then punch you in the face, and knock out your teeth. What the hell? I I can't lie. Like that's that's where I'm at. You know, I love the boxing for sure, and no matter the sport. I'm going to box you up. Mike Perry, thank you so much for the time here on Junkie Radio. I even broke out the violence shirt uh, to wear here because there's nobody more violent in combat sports than you. So I figured it was apropos to bust it out here for this interview. Thank you, as always, for the time. I appreciate it, brother. God bless y'all. Have a great day, man. Stay up, enjoy, and stay tuned for the Platinum Show. And like I said, that was a fun chat. Very fun, yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, let's continue on here with the show. Uh, a couple stories, I guess, I want to discuss. Nate Diaz versus Jake Paul. They had a press conference in Dallas. It was just in front of the media. When you heard Nate Diaz say, hey, where are the people at? 
he meant where the fans at because he's used to the UFC where they have a press conference, whether it's just him and his, his opponent or a press conference with a dais, meaning more fighters and a promoter um, there. And this one, didn't they didn't allow the public in. It was just the media. And Nate just – I think he's used to being so – uh, he's so popular and he's he's cheered on. All he's got to do is say, "Man, I'm gonna smoke your ass," and everyone goes nuts, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't even have to put together like rhymes or riddles or shit talking of any sort. He just has to say anything, and he gets a good pop. And in this case, it was just him and Jake Paul. And no offense to Ariel, I respect Ariel. I think he's done a wonderful job in combat sports. But Ariel's not like Dana either. You know, like Dana is is a presence himself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a lot of questions his way. And in this case, it was up to the both of the fighters. And when one of them is kind of dry and he only works off the public, then guess what? Jake Paul's kind of carrying it. I could see how on camera it's not popping. Um, but what did you think overall? The... <laughs> The face-off was very similar to Perry and Rockhold, where it kind of makes me laugh a little bit. But if I see another one, I'm going to start to think, well, now it's getting a little corny. But what what'd you think? Uh, it didn't pop, and I thought it was a little corny. Um, I'm sh- Well, I'm shocked, and I'm not, at just how clueless sometimes Nate Diaz can be. You know, like the, the comment about the fans, the comment about, you know, the pot. Um, man, <laughs> yeah. like I, I really do think he. They just tell him, "Hey, man, you want to fight here? This is the money," and he just goes, "All right." You know, like I, he doesn't seem to really ask very many questions. I'm curious if maybe he held back a little bit on Jake Paul because of uh, how he looked in his last fight. You know, like maybe maybe just his confidence is shook a little bit. But Jake Paul was trying to carry that whole damn like it was funny, man. You could almost see he almost seemed confused, and uh, it was just I don't know. It's like you throw your bait out into a a, a a body of water, a lake that's got a bunch of fish and nothing's biting. It really, really was odd, and and you're not going to get people to watch this card based on hmm. I wonder who's going to be the better boxer. It's going to be heat that sells this card, right? That's what's going to sell. And you could almost tell in Jake Paul's eyes, like, holy shit, this might not sell what I thought it would. Well, Nate is a promoter on this card. Apparently they're going 50, 50 splitting the purse. And I don't know if Nate just thinks, Hey, I'm Nate. I sell million dollar pay-per-views in the UFC. So this should transfer over. But yeah, you got to put a little bit of work in. Him getting caught off guard, too, with the marijuana, because in the state of Texas, they're going to test for that. It was funny because he said, wait, what happened? Mm-hmm. And you know he wants to blaze up probably up until fight night. So they got to sort that out as well. But because um, USADA, they they no longer worry about that. But Texas, you know, whatever their regulations are, they're going to go off that. I don't know if they're going to have VADA testing or what else. Sounded like they might, but. Um, yeah, he better he better figure that one out. But he's the promoter and he's the athlete. He stands to make a lot of money. And uh, I would say that if I'm his handler or whatever, he probably wants to, I don't know, how, he, he, 
you don't want to tell him to not be yourself because being yourself has gotten him so far, but he's taking on some additional responsibilities. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just say what's in mind. I'm going to beat the shit out of this guy. There you go. But see, he to me, like, it just looked lazy. And when you asked me what I thought of his last fight, he just looked lazy. Like, he just didn't want to be there. And that feels like I, I thought that something like this would change and maybe motivate him a little bit, but it feels like it just carried over that that same energy that he had in his last fight has carried over into this fight. And based off of what I saw in that press conference, I probably wouldn't order this. I'd probably just be like, tell me what happened. Mm-hmm. All right. Fair enough. They're supposed to do a few more press conferences. The fight goes down August 5th, so we still have time. We're three months away, and um, we'll see what happens. Uh, a couple other things here. Sean O'Malley says he's got something for Aljamain Sterling, and he says what it has to do with is that Sterling is awkward, and because he moves around in an awkward way, he thinks the sniper in me is going to take him out. He says, look, I'm not saying I'm going to take him out with my first punch in the first round, he goes, but I'm accurate. This guy is, and he moves around a little bit too much, too awkwardly. He, he says, I'm going to touch that chin. Now, what he's forgetting is that if Aljo gets him down, he's in a world of trouble himself. So, uh, again, both guys doing some media. I'm liking it. I think they're building towards a big fight. How about you? I'm enjoying it as well. I think he's making good points. But uh, early on, my lean is towards Aljamain Sterling. I just don't know. I I feel like we're going to have that moment where Aljo does get a hold of him. And I think when he does, he's just going to zap that kid's energy. He's just going to hold on to him and and really uh, not make him look like an amateur, but really like a young up-and-comer. Can Sean O'Malley do some of those things from the outside? Yeah, he could. But a lot of guys have said they could do that, and they just don't make it happen. So... um, I'm more excited for it, though. I'll tell you that. I I am pretty excited. And, you know, the jump that Sean O'Malley made in between fights for the last one, if he can do something like that again, then maybe maybe he's going to shock us all. You know, maybe this kid's just gotten that much better. And that all started with the um, the face off, right? The face off, the face off Mm -hmm. made some dividends. That's why we're kind of still talking about it. Yeah, it was a big deal that I mean, everybody. uh Everybody seemed to like it. I think it's something that maybe you don't do for every fight, but I think you do more of it because it does really genuinely make you excited for these events. For sure. The odds, by the way, you want to take a guess? You want me to say them? I want to take a guess. Sterling minus, they're going to say 180, but I feel like it should be more like 225. Sterling minus 240, and O'Malley comes back at plus 205. So you were pretty close on your guess, yeah. Sounds about right to me as well. Um, Not to discredit O'Malley, because he's 16-1 and overall, if I'm not mistaken. And in the UFC, I think he's up to like 8-1. His only loss is to Marlon Vera. And he beat Peter Yan, a former champ. You can't take that away from him, as controversial as that one was. He got his hand raised. So that's that. Um, Gilbert Burns released some information. He thought he might have to get cut. 
from uh, not the UFC, but by a surgeon because it was his left shoulder that he injured, not his hand at UFC 288. And that's why that left left hand, I guess we'll say, was compromised and he wasn't throwing it. And so what he said was um, he tried to time a takedown against uh, Bilal Muhammad. Bilal, he, he, this is his quotes, crawled back a bit and did a down block. And I landed right on my left shoulder. All my weight and Bilal's weight was on my left shoulder. From there, it was hard to clear my mind and accept that I was hurt. So that's where it happened. Now, this is what he said in terms of his diagnosis. I have an AC joint torn, but it's the second to third grade. I have the dilatory torn. Never heard of that. Uh, on the trap, I have a muscle torn, and I have a sprain on my C4 and C5 on my neck, but those are all partial, nothing major. Thank God I don't need no surgery. I'm taking a strong inflammatory. He says he needs a lot of rest the first three weeks, and then the PT will kick in. He hopes to fight by the end of the year. But this guy was really talking like he did not want to go into the ninth. Yeah, and you have to wonder, I think you were the one that made this point, is fighting so often and not giving your body time to um, recuperate, if that maybe had something to, to do with. Because those seem like a lot of issues for one one moment, right? One move. Um, to me, that sounds more like wear and tear on some some of these areas, especially when you talk about those joints and stuff and, um, you know, your discs. I don't know. I, I think he does need some time off. I'm glad he doesn't have to go under the knife, but uh, but I, I hope he does take a good amount of time off. I hope the UFC paid him well. He did say that he wasn't for sure if the injury was a product of a tenacious 2023 fight schedule. Um, but, you know, for now, he wants to sit till the end of the year, but he, he couldn't pinpoint it for sure if that was it or not, at least according to him. Mm -hmm. I, at least I thought it was, he was honest because so many people, once they make a decision, they stick to it and go, oh, no, no, I wasn't that. I was ready to go. But at least he gave, he gave it some thought, you know, that and left it open that, that maybe that could be it. Because it's not just the fights. It's the training that goes with it. Right. So you train wrestling at least once a week. And so the wear and tear can possibly put your body at a spot where it can just break. Like Conor McGregor swears that he had a stress fracture on the leg, on the ankle, leading into the fight. And so finally when it broke, a lot of it had to do with the training leading up to it. Um, mm -hmm. By the way, McGregor's um, documentary, I guess it's going to be released this month on Netflix. Did you see that? Yeah, it was cool. But uh, Netflix does a really good job of those. I don't, I don't know, because I feel like he's such in the public eye that you're not going to really see too many things that are going to shock you. Mm -hmm. But if they really were behind the scenes, and you want to hope that you capture footage of how he's reacted to some of those. That's why like, I feel like some of these high-profile athletes that are so much on social media mm -hmm. take away from moments like this. Um, but we'll see. You know, If there's one thing Connor is, is entertaining, right? So you have to imagine he's going to going to have something interesting here. It's called McGregor Forever, and it's released May 17th on Netflix, so less than a week away. It sounds like next Wednesday, if you want to check it out. And one more thing. I'm going to look this up as we're talking. 
Tough 31. Did you see the trailer for that? Uh, we're getting close to um, the new season of The Ultimate Fighter being unleashed upon us. It looks like it debuts May 30th on ESPN and ESPN Plus on Tuesdays with the season finale set for August 15th. So, and let's not forget, Dana White usually has his uh, Dana White Contender Series that comes throughout the summer. So, th those two things will kind of keep us uh, a little busy, but Who's not going to tune into this one? But did you see the trailer and that shove to the neck that McGregor gave Chandler? He flew out of the frame of the camera. He was yeah. completely gone. So, uh, and you know, Michael, I mean, we know him pretty well. He ain't going to take that. So, whatever happened after that, that had been chaos. I wonder if that was the day that they had the brouhaha that kind of turned ugly. It has to be, yeah. Uh... Yeah. So. Tuesday nights, it starts on the 31st. That's for Ultimate Fighter, season 31. And then the McGregor documentary, May 17th on Netflix. I don't have a date for Dana White Contender Series. I'm looking at the schedule tab on MMA Junkie, and we have stuff listed for fight nights through, like, mid-July. Uh, I, I know one year it kind of went late, like it started later in the year, and august i think and finished in october but i think a lot of that had to do with pandemic or something usually they've been like a june or july series so just keep an eye on that we'll see maybe they don't even want it to run against um now that i think about it if this if this reality show is going through august with mcgregor and um and, and Conor McGregor, then it could be that they, you know, because it is a Tuesday night Dana White contender series, I believe. So they may just want to wait till that's over and I guess do do it late style, like I was saying, like August till October. Yeah. Okay. Last thing. What's on the schedule for this week? Bellator 296, Gegard Musasi versus Fabian Edwards. So pay attention right here, folks, because this is some important information. Um, they're in Paris, France, all right? The event is tomorrow, which is Friday, May 12th, Bellator 296. The card starts early because of a time difference. The In Europe, I believe they're nine hours ahead. So the prelims start at noon Eastern, and you can watch them on YouTube over here at MMA Junkie. Looks like there's about six or seven fights. I'm not sure how many we're going to show you. Um, Saul Rogers from one of the ultimate fighters, he's on there. Chris Gonzalez, he's been around for a while, he's on there. So, there's a few fighters you'll recognize noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, tomorrow, Friday, on MMA Junkie. You can watch those prelims on YouTube for free. And then the main card is at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, and that one is on Showtime. That's Bellator's home, and that includes Thibault Guti versus Kane Musa, Douglas Lima versus Costello Van Stinas, Mansoor Baranui versus Brent Primus, and your main event, Gegard Musasi versus Fabian Edwards. So early style tomorrow, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and then uh, on YouTube, you can watch them on Junkie, and then 4 p.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, sorry, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific for the main card on Showtime. The UFC is the following day, and that fight card is as follows. UFC on ABC4, 
Rosenstruck versus Almeida. So they're on ABC. Who doesn't have that? Mm -hmm. um, they start at 11.30 a.m. Eastern on Saturday morning, 8.30 a.m. Pacific. That's early style. Jessica Rose Clark, I believe, was the first fight, 8.30 a.m. on Saturday morning. Uh, Brian Battles on the card. Ji Young Kim's on the card. Carlos Olberg, that's that big-ass dude out of City Kickboxing. That's uh, Izzy's homeboy. Cody Stamen versus Douglas Silva D'Andrage. Chase Sherman versus Carl Edwards. And Matt Brown versus Court McGee. Who doesn't love them? Some Matt Brown. Then, main card is on ABC at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Tim Means versus Alex Morano, first fight of the night. That should be a banger. Ian Gary versus D-Rod, Daniel Rodriguez. We got uh, some welterweights there in action. Anthony Smith against Johnny Walker. That's going to be a hell of a light heavyweight encounter. I think it should even be the main, uh, main event, if you ask me. And then mm -hmm. Jalen Almeida against Jarzino Rosenstruck in the main event, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. So both Bellator and UFC are kind of going early. The UFC, they're in North Carolina. It's not because they're overseas. It's just because they're on ABC, and I imagine ABC's got Saturday night primetime programming. So if they're going to give you a window, it's going to be earlier in the day. True. Yeah, there's a lot of uh... – Fights on there that kind of grab your attention, starting with uh, Walker and Smith. I think that's going to be fun. Who do you like between Almeida? Who did you turn in for your picks? Almeida and Rosenstruck and then Walker and Smith. You know, I ended up, I don't remember exactly, but I remember thinking I was very, very confused because the thing about Jarzinho is he's either going to look great or he's going to look flat. And it takes a certain fighter to make him look flat. And I'm not so sure Almeida's that guy. Um, so I think I was actually leaning towards going Jarzinho, even though everybody else is going the other way. And then with Smith and Walker, I actually had a conversation with somebody else on staff about this. I was a little surprised that there were a lot of Johnny Walkers. And Anthony Smith, to me, has the type of uh, game plan that the way he fights to me, is like kryptonite for Johnny Walker. So I went Anthony Smith. Not only did I do Anthony Smith, but I felt all day Anthony Smith on that one. I like Anthony Smith, and, and that one was a close one. It was a tough one because Walker, when he's on and he's destructive, I, I think, you know, he can almost even beat the champion. But the problem is he rain farts a lot. Sometimes he gasses. Sometimes he looks like he can be mentally weak and tunes out. Anthony Smith, to me, just seems like more of a finished product. Um, and as far as Jarzinho, Jarzinho, who wants to let him go early, is a problem for sure. But so many fights he hasn't, and he doesn't throw. And Jelton Almeida is kind of the – he's the real deal, you know. So I think Almeida and Smith are my picks as of right now. But I've been going back and forth all week on these – I, Walker Smith has been a real, real tough one for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm more the the Jarzino fight's a little bit more of a nightmare for me. This will just take me 30 seconds, but Dana White did make some big announcements. Alexander Volkanovski versus Yair Rodriguez is official. So is Brandon Moreno versus Alexander Pantoja. Bo Nickel versus Trajan Gore. Robert Whitaker versus Drika Duplessis. I can't believe they still did that. Dan Hooker versus Jalen Turner. That will be your main card. 
for USC 290 on International Fight Week. Dan, uh, sorry, Robbie Lawler versus Nico Price. Uh, Sean Brady versus Jack Della Maddalena. I would have included that one in the main card. Those are some other fights that are on the card. Lawler will be it will be his final night. And Tom Aspinall as back that possible pay-per-view that got converted into a fight night. It's headlined by Tom Aspinall versus Marcin Tabora, Molly McCann versus Julia Stolarenko, Ketlin Vera versus Hanny Kianzad. Those are some other fights that are headed your way, London. So there you have it. All right, that's our show for the week. Our second show for the week. Don't forget you can catch Goes and I on Spinning Back Click every Monday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. We're on live. We talk about all the biggest um, stories in the sport of mixed martial art. Usually we're unpacking the weekend, the weekend's action, and then looking forward to the big fights from that week. But I think you'll really like it. It's one hour. It's nice and tight, and we're consistent with it. So you can count on it. Go to YouTube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. Not only should you subscribe, but hit that little bell, and that way it'll ring you when we're on live. Kind of like a final reminder, if you will. All right, go, uh, all right, fellas uh, and ladies, we're out of here. We'll have a nice weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Go out and be a champion.